Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Thank you. You may be seated. Welcome to everybody and a special welcome to those that are online. I just want to say a word to those of you that are online and you're part of this church and you haven't been here for a while. I just want to tell you, we miss you. We really, really miss you. And uh, I hope you come back real soon. I've been, I've been looking around for so many people that I know this is, uh, this is their home church. And I understand all that we've been through, but uh, we're a family, and you're missed, and we want you to come back. So we'll be looking for you next Sunday, <laughs> except I won't be here. <laughs> Uh, this uh, coming Sunday is my great-granddaughter's first birthday, so we're off to Edmonton to, for the big celebration. I want to read from uh, Mark chapter 16. I'm just reading one verse. Mark chapter 16, verse 9, now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. This is the month of Easter and the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It's the resurrection that brings us hope. Death did not end it for Jesus, and death is not the end for us. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's his promise. The resurrection is actually promised all throughout the Bible. One of the earliest men of all, Job, asked the question that all of us ask sooner or later. And the question is, Job 14, 14, if a man die, shall he live again? We know that we will all die. The question that everyone has asked Will I live again? And actually, Job answered his own question later in the book in Job 19, verse 25 to 27. Job said, for I know. It's not arrogance, it's confidence. He said, for I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand at last on the earth. 
And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. And Job said, how my heart yearns within me. And we join him with the longing for that day. Isaiah prophesied, Isaiah 26, 19, your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. Daniel added his declaration, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, he said, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus reiterated that when he was here, when he said, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. You can count on it. The hour is coming when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Our resurrection is linked to his. If he did not rise again, then these are empty promises. But Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am. That's actually the name for Jehovah. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. Paul wrote a great treatise in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about the resurrection. Verse 20 said, Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits, which is the guarantee of all those who have fallen asleep. I've been a minister for 68 years. I've stood by countless open graves. Every time I've stood by an open grave, I've lifted up my heart because one day there will be an open sky. There'll be the shout, the voice of the archangel, and the call of the Son of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Well, the question is, what's the proof? What's the proof of the resurrection of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. The Bible has the, has the answer. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it said, To whom he showed himself alive after, after his suffering by many, not a couple, by many infallible, indisputable, inarguable proofs. And what is that proof? It said that he was seen of them 
during 40 days. That's the proof of the resurrection. For 40 days, they saw him. They talked with him. They walked with him. They ate with him. And in those 40 days, there are 10 recorded appearances from individuals up to 500 people in one place. So let me put a human face on the theology of the resurrection. It says in Mark 16, verse 9, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Let me tell you briefly the story of Mary Magdalene. She is from the village of Magdala. It's a fishing village on the Sea of Galilee. It's right close to where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. And in that day, Magdala was noted for two things. It was noted for wealth, and it was noted for prostitution. Many of the Bible scholars believe that Mary was the prostitute who knelt in Simon's house and with her tears washed the feet of Jesus. I suspect that that may be true. But what is absolutely true is that this woman is tormented by seven demons. For the scripture says, out of whom he cast seven devils. We do not know when they came or how they came. But what we do know from the scriptures is that they destroy and defile and bring pain. So it is written about Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, which explains it a bit more to us, and said, And certain woman, women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. This is Dr. Luke's assessment, a physician of the time. And what he said is that her infirmities, and infirmities means want of strength, weakness, and debilitating disease. And what Dr. Luke said is that this debilitating sickness in this woman's life was the direct cause of evil spirits. Now let me say a couple of things and I'm going to read a few scriptures. 
Every sickness is not a demon. Years ago, they used to say that cancer was a demon, but if you can cut it out, it's not a demon. But some sicknesses can be directly attributed to demonic influence. That's the case for Mary Magdalene and for others. Let me read some scriptures. Luke chapter 13, verse 11 and 12 said, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over double. She could in no wise raise herself up. But I, I love the Bible, it says, but, but when Jesus saw her, he's the one that makes the difference. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed, which means she has been bound. You are loosed from your infirmity. And later in that passage, he said, whom Satan has bound. This woman's physical deformity can be laid directly at Satan's feet. John 5, 5 said, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. It was evidenced by paralysis. Luke chapter 7, verse 21, he said, In that very hour he cured many of their infirmities, their afflictions, and their evil spirits. Matthew eight sixteen and 17 sums it up. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities, and he bore our sicknesses. The prophet is not stuttering. He's talking about two different demonstrations in the physical body. So what we know about her is that she has a debilitating affliction caused by seven demons, and she lives without hope. She could probably afford the best physician, but could find no deliverance. But one day, Jesus climbed the rocky path and came up to Magdala. Michael Card wrote a song years ago, and some of the words were this, the gentle healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and their darkness left to stay. He spoke one word, 
That's all he had to say. Because the gentle healer came into our town today. And he came to Mary and he spoke a word and the demons fled and she is totally whole. And I want to say to us today that he is here today. He has not changed. He's come to C3 Calgary West. He's come to touch our lives. If need be to break the power of Satan off us and to make us whole. And what he did for her, he can do for you. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've met a lot of Mary Magdalene's, had the privilege to lead several of them to the Lord. I'll tell you one story, then I'll go back to preaching. On Sunday morning, the head usher came. He was really distraught. He said, we've got a serious problem, Pastor. And I said, what is it? He said, there's a young lady out there, but she doesn't have much on. And the people are looking at her, and I don't know where to sit her. I've tried to live my life to ask myself the question, what would Jesus do? And I knew right away what he would do. And I said, bring her up to the front and she can sit between Flora and myself on the front row like our pastor and his wife are sitting right now. And that morning after I preached the gospel and she gave her heart to the Lord, she said, I'm a call girl. I work out of the best westerns, kitty corner to the church. I'd prayed about that place a lot of times and often saw the limousines pull up because it was high priced. And she said, you know, for two years, every Sunday morning, I've looked out across this church. I saw the people coming and going. She said, I wished I could go. I wanted to go so bad, but she said, I knew that nobody would accept me. But she said, I couldn't, I couldn't keep on doing what I'm doing, so today I thought I'd take a chance, and I'd come. And she came that day, and I want to just say to all of us, we need to watch for the new people who come, because for some of them, it may be their last stop. It may be an act of desperation. They've tried everything else, and they might, thought they might try church. And we need to be open in our hearts and in our spirits and watch for the lost sheep that walk through our doors. That's on the margin. You can have that for free. <laughs> but this woman, Mary Magdalene, now is saved and delivered and free. And she immediately begins to follow the Lord and begins to serve him. And Luke chapter 8 said about her that she provided for him along with other women of their substance. 
Evidently, she is a wealthy woman. There's lots of wealthy people today who desperately need Jesus. I don't tell many stories, but I've got quite a few in my spirit, so I'll tell you one more. But I remember one day, this lady came to the office well-dressed. She was a high-placed businesswoman in the city. She said, somebody told me to come and see you. And she said, I, I have, I could buy anything that I want to buy. I could go any place in the world. But she said, my life is empty. I don't know how I can carry on. My marriage is broken and lost. But somebody told me that you could help me. And I looked at her, and I don't often say this, but I said to her, I, I can't help you. And she began to cry. But I said, I know somebody who can help you. I know somebody who can change your life, forgive your sins, give you peace and joy, prepare you for heaven. His name is Jesus. That day I led her to the Lord and her life was radically changed. And three days later, her husband, who was a prominent lawyer in the city, gave his heart to the Lord too. Reestablished their home, began to serve the Lord. That's what happened to Mary. And that's what happened can you, to you, and that's what can happen to your friends. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. For three years, she travels with Jesus. She hears his messages. She watches his miracles. She makes the final journey to Jerusalem with the rest of the people. She watches as the crowds cry, Hosanna. She visualizes him upon a throne. The Romans gone. Suddenly, the bubble bursts. He's arrested. He's betrayed. He's unfairly tried. He's nailed to a cross. And John 19, 25 says, Now there stood by the cross. His mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And as the life ebbs from his body, hope dies in her heart. He was everything to her. Absolutely everything. Deliverer, savior, teacher, friend. Her God. She listens as he whispers, Into your hand I commend my spirit. And his head falls forward, and he is dead. And as he dies, her hope dies, and the future is bleak. She watches as the men take his body down from the cross and place it in Joseph's tomb. Here's what Luke wrote. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed after. Then they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned 
and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath, according to the commandment. Three days of tears, of darkness, of fear. She wonders now that if he is dead, that the demons will reappear, and she will experience the dreaded infirmity once again. Well, before she goes home, there's one final act that she will do. She with the women have prepared the spices, and she comes early Sunday morning to anoint the body of Jesus. The story is in Luke chapter, or John chapter 20. They discover the stone is rolled away. The body is gone. And John 20, 11 said that she stood outside the tomb weeping. She's representative of multitudes of weeping people. But in the midst of her despair, he comes. He watches as her shoulders heave with sobs. And he said, woman, why? Why are you weeping? It's dark. Her eyes are blinded by tears. She does not recognize them. She thinks the man behind is the gardener. And then he spoke her name. Mary. She fell at his feet, crying, Rabboni, my master. And perhaps you're weeping today too. Then I'm here to tell you that he's here. He's here to speak your name. He's here to fold you in his arms. He's here to forgive you, to restore you, to release you. He's here for whatever you need. He is enough. In fact, he's more than enough. I invite you to bow your heads with me in the presence of the Lord. If you've come to this house today, there's a need in your life. Perhaps you've never met Jesus. And I want to tell you his arms are outstretched toward you. He's saying, come. Come unto me, all of you. If you labor and are heavy laden, if you struggle with the burden of sin, come. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll change you. If you've come here today with a need of any kind, you've come to the right place. You've come into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to pray in a moment, even as I'm praying, if you would like prayer. I'm going to invite you to slip out of your seat. 
come and stand at this altar. And I can tell you this much, he'll meet you where you are. He'll touch you like you are. But you'll go home different than the way you came. You can begin to come if you need to come. As I lead us in a brief prayer this morning, then Mitch will come. Lord, I cannot comprehend how great your unconditional love is. But I know that you love us unconditionally. I know that your heart is turned toward us. I know that your arms are open. I know that you're able to meet whatever our need is. And so I pray today, Spirit of Almighty God, brood over this house. From the very back to the very front, I pray you would draw near to every heart. You would touch every single life in this moment with your presence. If you'd like prayer, I invite you to slip out of your seat and just come. If you don't, that's fine. I know the Lord can touch you where you are. But sometimes it's good to have someone else pray for us. So we'll wait just a moment, and then Mitch will come and close the service. But if you'd like prayer, please come. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.